Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 18. Shepherd sheep imagery is all over the Bible, and a shepherd does what? He leads and cares for the sheep, and the sheep are supposed to what? Follow him. And we know sheep are prone to wander. In fact, one of the things that a shepherd has is he has a rod. And he uses the rod to part the fleece of the sheep to look for insects and that kind of thing, and they pass under the rod. But sometimes he uses the rod for correction, and if a group of sheep are wandering off, he's so well-trained with the rod, and it's almost like a guy who's good with a boomerang. He could throw that rod, and it'll hit a rock right next to a sheep's head and turn the whole group of them around to come back to him. When you know God, he will even sometimes use the rod Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What? Yeah, because if you're getting off track, you have a friend that's getting off track, what does a good friend do for another friend? You just let him go? No. No, you reach out in truth and in love, knowing you two could make the same mistake. Abraham was a friend of God. Are you? Are you growing in your relationship with him to where, man, that's the most important thing in your life is to know him that well. Friends help each other. Friends love each other. Friends are not perfect, but they're trustworthy. And so Abraham runs out and he starts scurrying around. Look at Genesis 18. We're only going to do half the chapter. Please He says, let a little water be brought and wash your feet. Don't pass me by. So they stop. He says, rest yourselves under the tree, the trees of Mamre here, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourselves. Genesis 18, verse 5. After that, you may go on since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried. Look at these uh, descriptions. Into the tent to Sarah, and he said, quickly, quickly. Can you imagine this? He's getting a sense of who this is. Hurry up! And he seems to be pretty good at delegation as well, which he says, quickly prepare three measures. That's Caesar, six gallons of fine flour needed and make bread cakes. Hurry! Abraham also ran, man. He's running everywhere. The dude's 99. I want to know what joint supplement he's taking. He also ran to the herd. He took a tender and choice calf and gave it to the servant. And he hurried to prepare. Hurry, everybody, hurry. He had the whole place stirred. Everybody was on high alert. Hurry up. You ever been there before? I'll go back to another Italian illustration. There's something that happens to Italians when they're cooking. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Maybe it's not just an Italian phenomenon. But when I'm in the kitchen cooking a meal there's part of me that wants help and part of me that wants everybody to keep at a distance because i'm timing things i'm stirring this and over there and then when it's all done i want everybody to come the moment i call them the food's ready and i wait about 10 seconds didn't y'all hear me (laughs) 
right? And I say, I want to cook. I love to cook. You love to cook? It doesn't sound like you love to cook. <laughs> Abraham's got him stirred up, man. Hurry up with the bread. Now, this is almost like the Martha and Mary thing in Luke 10, right? Mary's all serene, sitting at his feet, listening to his word. Martha's in the kitchen. That sister, I'm lazy. <laughs> Goes and rebukes the Lord. Tell my sister <laughs> to come and help me. Oh, Martha, Martha, Martha. Whew. But it's not just the ladies. Here's Abraham running around all crazy. Why do you think? Well, I think he wants to get back to this group. I think he knows that there's a message coming. I think he's expecting to hear something from God. And so everybody's running around trying to prepare the meal. He took curds, uh, verse 8. That's yo play in Greek or Hebrew. I'm just kidding. That's not. But Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And curds is actually the word for yogurt, though. Curds and milk, verse 8, and the calf, which he had prepared, placed it before them as he was standing by them under the tree, What's your Bible say? As they ate. Wait a minute now. If this is two angels and the Lord, do you mean to tell me that they ate the food? Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. That's what the Bible says. And I believe in the new Jerusalem we're going to eat. Praise God. And I'm talking about eating. And I believe since we have new resurrected bodies, it is quite possible that we will no longer have to worry about the bubble. <laughs> Everybody know what I'm talking about? This is, this is hope, okay? I don't have a Bible verse I can turn you to, but, you know, anyway, <laughs> there it is. They ate, and... And Abraham doesn't seem to be joining them. He's kind of just watching, like checking out what's going on here. Do you know that, uh, studying on this, this is the only place before Jesus becomes human in the New Testament, the only place that I know of in the Old Testament where God eats a meal with an individual. The only place. There's a couple other places where something's prepared, but it becomes like a burnt offering. But this is the only place where he actually physically eats. And if Abraham has a notion that this is the Lord, I wonder how closely he's watching. I wonder if he's worried. Like, I hope he likes it. Got one shot at this man. Is it good? <laughs> Taste it real quick. And so the Lord... And the angels are eating the food. You know, after Jesus resurrected from the dead in Luke 24, um, he appeared to the guys on the road to Emmaus, and he said, have you got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and the Bible says he ate it in their presence, in his resurrection body. Yeah. And the Bible says that his resurrection body is a prototype of what we're going to get will be made like unto him. So that seems to imply that we will get to eat. Oh, I'm so happy about that. The angels are here. 
Angels are going to be involved in the second coming of Christ, Matthew 13, Matthew 24. Angels help execute God's judgment. They're reapers in the end times. In fact, Luke 16, 22, Jesus said, even angels are involved at a believer's death. The angels carried him away to Abraham's bosom. One dark night about 100 years ago, a Scottish missionary couple found themselves surrounded by cannibals intent on taking their lives. That, that terror-filled night, they fell to their knees and prayed that God would protect them. Intermittent uh, with their prayers, the missionaries heard the cries of the savages. Can you imagine this? Cannibals trying to take your household. And expected them to come through the door at any moment. But as the sun began to rise to their astonishment, they found that the natives were retreating into the forest. The couple's heart soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The missionaries bravely continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of the tribe was converted to Christ. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered the horror of that night, and he asked the chieftain why his men had not killed them. The chief replied, quote, who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, why, there were no men with us. It was just my wife and myself. The chieftain began to argue with him, saying, there are hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house, so we could not attack you, close quote. I have a file full of stories like this from the mission field, where there are people about to attack and they see these tall men in shining garments and they're kept away. Incredible. Angels are ministering spirits. They come to minister to those who will inherit salvation. Some of you have what you think may be angel stories. I've got one. I've told it before. I won't get into the details, but an individual that encouraged me and then I never saw the person again. It was a pretty unique circumstance. I don't know for sure, but they said to him, Look at verse 9, Genesis 18. Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. This would be kind of the normal thing. The men were outside talking. The, the wife was in the tent, but certainly the walls of a tent are not terribly thick. And so there she is in the tent. She probably was listening. We find out she was listening. And he said, verse 10, I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door which was behind him. So she made the food. She might have been listening in to see what the conversation was. Maybe Abraham gave her an idea of what was going on. Maybe she's just curious. And she hears verse 10, I will surely return to you at this time next year. Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. She's like 90. And she's listening at the tent door, which verse 10 was what? It was behind him. Here's the picture. The Lord's sitting with Abraham outside the tent and the tent's behind him. And she's listening, maybe by the flap of what would close on the opening. Now, Abraham and Sarah, verse 11, were old, advanced in age, and Sarah was past childbearing. She had been not only uh, infertile her whole life, but now she was menopausal. Those are two big strikes against childbearing. Do you not think so? I mean... She, even when she was young, she could not have children. Now she's past the age of childbearing. And what does she hear these strangers talking about after she met the bread cakes? Your wife, going to have a kid. And Sarah, verse 12, what's your Bible say? 
She laughed to herself. Very important, mark it. She laughed. How many times have you done this? You've laughed to yourself about something like, it's usually with these words, yeah, right. (laughs) You don't say it out loud, you know. There's certain times when we kind of laugh to ourselves. We, we kind of, you know, we have the internal dialogue going on, but we haven't let it out. She laughed to herself and she said, this is what was going on inside of her. She said, after I've become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also? Me and Abraham, man, we, we're old. That time is past. But this is an internal dialogue that's going on in her mind. We all know that we have different kind of laughs. Some laughter is just lighthearted. Some is scornful. Some is insulting. And one writer says, other is the laughter. Other laughter is the flag of unbelief. You ever had someone laugh at you about your faith? <laughs> what a joke! That's their way of saying they disdain what you believe. They laugh in the face of God. And she laughed. I mean, you could kind of understand why. E.W. Wilcox says, Laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. But the Lord wasn't laughing. The Lord does not laugh at our unbelief. For unbelief means that we are saying God cannot be trusted trusted one writer says unbelief is not a misfortune to be pitied it is a sin to be deplored close quote its sinfulness lies in the fact that it contradicts god's word and attributes and attributes falsehood to him and the lord said to abraham i don't know why he addresses abraham here but notice this look at this husband's why did sarah laugh He asked Abraham that. How would you respond? I don't think Abraham heard her because she laughed, where? Inside of herself. So I don't think Abraham heard what was going on. And the Lord said, your wife's in there laughing. No response from Abraham. But what she's saying is, shall I indeed bear a child when I'm so old? Now, Abraham is being addressed by the Lord, but Sarah's listening, so this is for her. And the Lord says, look at verse 14, is anything too difficult? The Hebrew word could be translated too wonderful or too surpassing or too incredible for the Lord. At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. You see, he's talking to Abraham, but he's talking to Abraham or through Abraham to Sarah, who's listening behind the tent, which isn't much of a wall, and he's asking a question. Do you believe? And the question is not just for Sarah. The question is for you and me. This is a scripture you ought to highlight. This is a scripture you ought to make your own because the question is for the reader. Moses is writing Genesis and when this is recorded via the direction of the Holy Spirit, it's being asked of the reader. It's being asked of the believer, us, 
That's what we call ourselves. We are what? Believers. Do you identify that way? Believers of what? We believe in the God of the Bible. We're believers. And the question to the believer reading this section is, is anything? What do you think is too difficult for the Lord? Anything? Like the skeptic who says, all right, Christian, if God's so powerful, can he make a rock so big that he can't lift it? (laughs) That's about the best they got, right? Answer that one. Have you noticed that there's a lot of so-called atheists mad at a God they say does not exist? That's like being mad at unicorns. Unicorns really make me angry. In fact, I go on unicorn websites. I'm an anti-unicorn person. In fact, I've written 10 books. I'm an A unicorn <laughs> believer. What, what in the world's going on with this anger? You don't get angry at things that you don't believe exist. You don't blame them for stuff. You know, I think that unicorn <laughs> is to blame for my current situation. What's that? I, I can't get a job. My car's not running good. Unicorns! <laughs> what? And the Christian has to ask, what do you think is the source of that anger? Maybe there's something deeper going on. Maybe even the person that's a little bit upset might be closer to the kingdom than the person who just gives you kind of lip service. Oh, I believe there's a, yeah, there's a supreme being out there somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is anything too incredible for this one? Numbers 11.23 is the Lord's power limited? Jeremiah 32, 27. Is anything too difficult or wonderful for me? And so Mary is told that she's going to have the Christ child. And Mary, she says, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the dialogue ends this way. For nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is incredible for those in covenantal fellowship with the Lord because nothing is too wonderful, too marvelous, too difficult for him. And so here's the final verse for tonight. So she's listening. She knows she's caught. And Sarah did, look at verse 15, what a lot of people do when they get caught in unbelief. Sarah, look at verse 15. She denied it. And you all know that denial is just simply a river in Egypt anyway. Thank you. (laughs) Sarah denied it, however, saying, now look at this godly woman. The one who's held up in 1 Peter 3 is a woman that other Christian women should follow after. What did she do? She denied it and said, she didn't even, I mean, this might have been a good way to go about this. I laughed, but I laughed because, wait a minute, let's see if my excuse can come into this sentence. <laughs> you ever been in mid-sentence, you're trying to figure out what your excuse is going to be? Uh, I, 
I laugh, but, but I, I laugh because, uh, hold on, let me, I'm scanning the Rolodex for an excuse right now. But she actually denied that she laughed, which technically was kind of true because she laughed inside. She said, I didn't laugh, for she was, most of our denials come because we're afraid. And he said, the Lord said, no, <laughs> but you did laugh. You did laugh. You could call this a mild rebu rebuke. And God is going to get the last laugh. He always does. Isaac's name ironically means laughter. And I want you to flip ahead, 21, chapter 21, look at verse 6. 21-6, and we're done. This is when it happens. She has the child. Go to 5. Now, Abraham, 21-5, was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, 21-6, God has made what? Laughter for me. Literally, Isaac's name means he laughs. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? She said, I didn't laugh. God says, yes, you did laugh. She kind of quieted down. Then she had the child. She's nursing the child. And she said, God has made me laugh. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. How's the song go? I will exalt because he has made me glad. That's what God did. You know, God... He could have said, oh, you laughed? Okay, guess what? No Isaac. That's not God. Aren't you glad that's not God? Aren't you glad for all the times we've doubted and maybe even laughed inside at something that God didn't say, okay, out of the kingdom, zap, boom, gone. Don't trust me? Okay. But he doesn't operate that way. He brings the promise to pass. Would you bow your heart with me? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can ask or imagine, what we can ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you so much that you are able to do miracles in our lives. You've already done them. The new birth is a miracle. Being born again of the Holy Spirit is a miracle. And it brings joy and laughter to our lives, the best kind of joy. Thank you, Lord, that you have made us glad that we can say even that we are a friend of God, we know you and you know us. And it's so good to be in the kingdom, to be adopted children of the Most High God. If you're here tonight and maybe you've been far away from the Lord and maybe you want to get back to that close, intimate relationship with him, maybe you're not a Christian tonight, just cry out to him right now. Something like this, Jesus saved me. Pray it right now if it's you. Jesus, I commit my life to you. I believe you died on the cross to save me. Thank you, Lord. I believe you rose from the dead to defeat death and justify me. I believe, Lord. 
I turn from my unbelief. Maybe you're a Christian and you've been backslidden. I turn from my lack of faith, Lord. Cleanse me of that. Make me a person who trusts you more. Continue to stretch my faith and mold me into the person that you want me to be, more like Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy when we fall short. Thank you that this couple has given us encouragement that you don't have to be perfect to be counted among those who are uh, great in faith. And we just pray that you'll bless and strengthen the faith of each person here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and I am sitting here with Pastor Brian Richards, youth and young adult pastor doing many other things. One of the great things that's happening is the Truth Academy. Tell our listening family a little bit about the Truth Academy and what's going on with it. Well, it's a seven-year vision of our church. It's a passion that I've had for a long time, sort of a dream in my heart that's finally come to fruition, and it's just a Bible college that we're offering, and we have a full two-year program in Christian theology and apologetics, and we're building three-year programs in pastoral ministry and church leadership and all kinds of different things. One of the taglines that we have on the ministry is it's high-level education at a fraction of the price. I know it's very difficult when you're someone who's considering like a seminary-level education to factor the the finances and the time in there. Um, Tell us about where it takes place and... um, you know, a little bit more about the uh, the time and the financial part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classes are here at the church and uh, they take place on Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, they're eight-week classes, so you're able to just hone in on one class or two classes at a time and then you get a four-week break and then you go at it again. So it's a lot easier on the mind and I think the body. The cost is less expensive than even your typical community college. It's $55 per unit. You know, we're offering what I believe is graduate level classes and to offer it at at that tuition is, you know, it's, we're basically giving it away. And I look at it as a labor of love, right? Um, It's something I'm passionate about and I want to offer that type of education to, to everyday people. And I don't want the finances to be a hindrance to that. That's a blessing. And it's not just for someone who's considering like pastoral ministry. It's for anybody who just wants to get that next level of insight into the scriptures, even into logic or exegesis of the scriptures and that kind of thing. So that's awesome. What's coming up with Truth Academy and how would someone find out more information and be able to fill out like an application? Yeah, so our summer quarter is starting the end of June. Right now we're in open enrollment for new students that would like to apply, and that goes till June 2nd. And the website is www.thetruthacademy.com. There's an apply now button right at the top, and that'll get you started on the application process. So if you live anywhere near the Inland Empire and you can come out to Truth Academy, thetruthacademy.com. Check it out today. Thanks, listening family. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.